This is Tim Stavinsky, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 13, for Monday, March 14th, 2011. Today, I'm so excited that I'm talking to Canadian TV and feature writer Tim Stubinski. This is the third in our Canadian TV writer series, which will go through the month of March. Um, it, you know, this, this interview was a really, really cool interview because Tim bucks the trend. And the trend that I'm talking about is that there's a lot of wisdom out there that says that you have to move to one of the major production centers. Uh, I even start, I talked about that a little bit with Dagan Frickland a couple of episodes ago as uh, she was sharing, even living in Vancouver, that she was feeling that maybe she should move to Toronto because it was a bigger production center. And certainly for breaking in a lot of the books and, and podcasts that, that you might hear will say you gotta move to LA or you gotta move to Toronto if you want to get your stuff done. Tim, lives in a small town, and yet he recently had a pilot produced starring Kevin Sorbo, and this pilot uh, has aired nationally in Canada and has won five Leo Awards. He's also worked in development. Uh, he's had a number of features optioned over the last few years, and, um, and he's done quite well for himself, living in a small town. So if you don't live in one of these production centers, I'm sure you're going to be very excited to listen to this interview with Tim Stubinski. Before we get to the interview, I do want to mention a few things. Number one is, of course, our homework for the month of March. The TV Writer's Workbook by Ellen Sandler is a signed reading for the month of March, and that's because I'm, I'm going to be talking to Ellen on April 1st. And so you can go to tvwriterpodcast.com, click on the store link, and you'll find out where you can buy this, which also a little bit of that goes to support the podcast. But I strongly, strongly urge you to buy this book. Uh, it's a great, great book on TV writing, um, and it's very simple. If you've ever read Save the Cat by Blake Snyder, um, Ellen has a very similar style of, of breaking down TV writing into, at times, funny ways of looking at it, but funny ways that you make you remember um, the ways that things are broken down. And she has some great ideas about idea generation um, for not just a series, but also individual episodes and how you can structure an episode around a certain uh, theme or idea. So again, I strongly urge you to get that book. And the reason I want you to get it now is so that you can come up with some questions to send in for my interview with Ellen Sandler, which will be on April 1st. So that means that you would need to send your questions to mail at tvwriterpodcast.com by about March 30th or so, so that I can include them in uh, the interview. Uh, so that is your homework, and it's a very cheap book. I think it's under $11 on Amazon. Um, so very, very cheap, and you would do well to read it if you're into TV writing. As well, I do want to mention some events, as this is a Canadian series. I'll mention a couple of Toronto-based events that I'm actually going to be attending, and so you'll have a chance to meet me if you attend one of these events. Uh, one of them is Ink Drinks, as mentioned in my interview with Karen Walton. Last episode, this will be March 18th at 9 p.m. at the Firkin on King, which is at King and Spadina, 
Um, I'll be there with my camera. And so um, if you want to actually be in a future podcast, uh, I'll be interviewing some of the writers at that event. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you can get the details to the Inc. Canada Facebook group. So just go on Facebook and search for Inc. Canada. Also, very, very exciting is the Toronto Screenwriting Conference, April 9th and 10th. The speakers... Uh, will include well-known authors Dara Marks and Christopher Vogler. I'm sure you've heard of them. And many, many others. There's going to be writers from Lost, The Good Wife, House, New Heart, Coach, even the new Raising Hope. You can find out details at tsc.org. And uh, I, it's, it's really, really inexpensive. Under $400 to attend this two-day conference. If you're in Toronto or near Toronto, I think it'd be great for you to attend that as they talk about TV and feature writing. And you can have a chance to meet some of these uh, great TV and feature writers and authors. The things that I mention every week are that you... If you're not on Twitter, uh, you're going to find out actually in this interview um, some more reasons that you might want to go on Twitter. But if you are on Twitter, you can follow me at Gray Jones. Or if you're not on Twitter, you can actually just go to twitter.com slash Gray Jones to uh, find out what's going on and also to find out um, how you can get your questions answered in upcoming interviews. You can certainly go to tvwriterpodcast.com, and some of the things that you'll be looking for are the Twitter database. There's a database of over 400 TV writers and their Twitter addresses and little IMDb links for each of them. So you can find out um, how to get in touch with your favorite writers. There's also a little mini store where there's some books that I would recommend on TV and feature writing. And when you buy them, you support the podcast with a little bit of a kickback. And also remember our partner, scriptmag.com, where you can find lots of great resources on TV and feature writing. But without further ado, we're going to move on to my interview with TV and feature writer Tim Stubinski. Enjoy. This is Gray Jones, and I'm here with Tim Stubinski, TV and feature writer. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing great, Gray. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well, thanks. I was lo really looking forward to talking with you because your your story kind of breaks the mold a little bit because all of the prevailing wisdom out there is that if you want to break in as a writer, if you want to make it as a writer, that you've got to go to one of the big cities um, like Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, and you're not in one of those big cities, are you? No, I know where they are on the map, but I tend to find, I tend to think that I'm not breaking molds. They're just sort of falling on the floor, and I'm picking up whatever's left. Uh-huh. Really haven't spent a lot of time. I mean, I've been to all those cities. I know where they are. But uh, really, everything I've done, anything that's been done, has basically been done through email, through Skype, through the phone, um, serious persistency, and, and I think there's probably been a sprinkle of talent there. Um, I really do believe that any writer that isn't in the major uh, centers can uh, get their work noticed uh, through a series of different methods, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, in this day and age, with the technology we have, uh, there's no reason for a writer, I believe. There's no necessarily any particular reason. A writer doesn't have to move to Toronto, you know, leave behind their family or anything, to really sort of get noticed. Really, for me, what it's been, especially in the last, I would say, four years, I've just really found some really great producers, um, people that were really passionate about what I was doing, understood the vision right away, and really went to bat, really went to champion what I was doing. You know, not only did they become really good producers, but they became really excellent friends as well. 
um yeah. <laughs> cool. So, um, so we'll get to talking about your pilot and, and, and more recent work in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, before that, let's, let's go, let's go back a little bit. And, and, uh, I know that you didn't originally start writing. So, so you grew up where? Well, I grew up, I was born in, in Renfrew, Ontario. I now live in Pembroke, Ontario, which is about 45 minutes away. Uh, I did actually leave both Matral. I did leave Pembroke. I went to school at Carleton in Ottawa. And I spent about six years in Ottawa. I spent about six years in Montreal. Uh, I've been around sales most of my adult life, uh, for better or for worse. And I didn't really start writing. I didn't really start getting serious about it till about 2001. Uh, I did some theater in university and I've always wanted always wanted to get back to it. I've always, I never really lost sight of that. And I'm one of these, I was, I'm definitely one of these typical writers who watched enough movies to go, I could do way better than that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm one of those cliches. So I actually hooked up with a couple friends of mine, uh, in Pembroke and we started sort of working on a script. He was the tech, he sort of taught me, my friend, uh, and co-writer Michael Marcus, who worked with me on Wolf Canyon basically taught me how to write a script mm-hmm. and it's one of those things as they say it's a bug once you get it and and do it, it never goes out of your system and i finally found what i really wanted to do great 2008 was when wolf canyon was selected by aptn to, for development into a pilot between 2001 and 2008 have you been doing assignment writing or what 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 has this writing work been for really, you really really great what i was doing more so and this is where i sort of started shifting gears i was writing primarily co-writing uh and and doing some solo work on features mm-hmm. and i've had several scripts snatched out of the jaws of victory okay <laughs> you know <laughs> and i've optioned stuff made a bit you know not not tremendous amount of money uh doing options uh options and stuff in the US options and stuff up here in Canada but uh you know the funding cycle up here uh you know it's so difficult to get anything made and uh but the, the great thing about these these scripts is I did again build up some really strong relationships mm-hmm. again it was a persistent thing i i would spend probably way too much time at work sending out queries uh, getting to know some people. So really it was, it was in 2000, I would say 2007 that I, I sort of looked at Mike and I said, you know, we, these, the feature thing in Canada, as wonderful as it is and as much as I want to make the great Canadian, you know, the next great Canadian film, uh, television's sort of where it's at. Uh, television is more sustained. It's more, uh, there's more there. There's more opportunity there because quite simply there's, I don't, you couldn't even guess what the figures were in the mid, 2000s of how many movies came out in Canada, but TV is a sustained, sustained medium. Mm-hmm. So really, it was it was around that time. Actually, Wolf Canyon sort of came out of a it sort of came out of a feature script we wrote. Uh, we sort of stole from ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think I may have pitched it to two or three companies before. Uh, no, two, two, and uh, it was really it was Cindy Harmon at Really Real who sort of looked at it and said, "I want to work with this. I want to do something with this." You contacted really real films uh, out mm-hmm. of Vancouver before mm-hmm. getting involved with APTN, or how? What was the timing oh, yes, for that? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 2007 that I first contacted Cindy. Cindy and, and Alan Harmon, I should also—they're the co-principals of Really Real. I mean, Alan's uh, Alan's been around forever. I mean, Alan worked at the 
CBC for 17 odd years. He directed everything from street legal to directed Andromeda. When you look under veteran in Canada, Alan's there. Mm-hmm. So when we brought them his, his premise, he just, you know, I mean, this is speaking to him. In mm-hmm. the sense, he had a chance now to sort of turn it around, so to speak. So, so Cindy wanted to definitely take it around. And she basically shopped it to everyone in Canada that she knew. And of course, everybody basically said no. Uh, but it was AP Ken who in, in 2008 said, yes, we like this very much. Uh, let's, uh, let's see what you can do about a pilot. And we officially went into development. I think it was spring 2008. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow. and it not only was developed, but it was produced. And, it was produced. And starring Kevin Sorbo, yeah, Lauren, Kevin Sorbo. uh, Jeez. Lauren Cardinal, Nikki Payne, yep. um, aired nationally in December 2009 and January 2010. Yes, and it's actually being shown still. Uh, yeah. It's still on the network on occasion now. And so, t- so tell me about what that was like after, after spending oh. a number of years in, um, and de- development and getting things optioned and had, and seeing things snatched away and not seeing them produced to finally have something produced and on the air. Gray, I'll tell you something right now. For any writer who's been toiling, any writer who's been toiling for any amount of time to walk on a set of a production that you created or wrote for the first day, you know, on that first day, it, it's almost, I, I'll be honest with you, I almost got sick. Uh-huh. I was so overwhelmed because you're finally seeing everything you've worked for. Every, you know, every little rewrite, every, you know, every rejection you've thought of in your head, every time you felt like you couldn't do it, every time that you felt that nobody else thought you could do it. You're finally standing on the set of something you've created. And you're watching people actually set up lighting and blocking and cameras and sound and, and you're watching actors go over the script that you wrote. It is other than the birth of my child, probably the most amazing feeling I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when, really when Lauren, Lauren and, <clears throat> excuse me, when I saw Lauren for the first time dressed up in the costume, and then when I saw Kevin dressed up in the costume, that's when it really hit me. Mm-hmm. Like, holy, holy cow, we're really doing this. This is really being, this is really being shot. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, I've, I've read the script, but just for the sake of the audience, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the story. Well, Wolf Canyon takes place on the uh, fictitious reserve, Indian Reserve, up in northern British Columbia. And it's about the shooting of basically a third-rate syndicated action series based in the U.S. Think of uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, but worse. <laughs> um, it takes place, there's ba- they're basically isolated from really any sort of civilization. And it starts actually at the beginning of the second season of the show. Mm-hmm. And... The star of the show, he's left after the first season because he, he starred in a indie thriller that took off and, and basically wants to pursue his film career. So they bring this guy named Rick Denham, who, you know, is a C-level, even D-level actor now. Uh, had his day 20-odd years ago. And it's kind of weird now because he's sort of like Charlie Sheen right now. is sort of <laughs> making him look really normal. Uh-huh. You know, because we have him as a womanizer and a drinker and, and just sort of, you know, very odd at times. So Rick comes in and it's, like, nobody can understand why he's there. But what also doesn't help is that he happens to also be, you know, I'm giving a reveal here, he happens to also be the father of the, basically, the in-house director. Mm-hmm. And wackiness ensues. <laughs> and wackiness um, ensues. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a fun show. I mean, it we really tried to go sort of off the wall with it. 
I've been really inspired by, you know, especially recent comedies that have been on. You know, I have, I love Flight of the Concords. I love mm-hmm. that sort of reverent humor. You know, of course, The Office has been uh, a big influence. But I also love, you know, shows like WKRP, Cheers, MASH, those shows. WKRP was one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. And oh, yeah. The, the, the writing in that was just so great. Mm-hmm. So it's uh yeah I mean it's we really wanted to go sort of off the wall with it and um I think we we definitely succeeded with that at least with the pilot and hopefully we'll have more to come in the future. Mhm. And oh. uh and it has actually done really well. Um it was it was well reviewed critically in in TV guide and also mm-hmm. you you won 5 Leo awards with that yes. pilot. Yes we did. Wow, that is yeah. something. Um, it, so t- tell me about that. Oh, it was exciting. I mean, it was uh, it was really exciting. We were nominated in, in, I think, five categories and seven nominations, and we won all five. So I think it was Best Comedy and ver- best comedy or Variety Series or something. Um, Jessica Harmon won Best Actress. Uh, we won for Best Cinematography. Randall Platt, amazing cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Lauren won as well. Wow. Yeah. So, and best editing as well. Best director as well. Alan won. Wow. So very, yeah, very was, cool. It was. And so, uh, you've got some momentum because of that. The show's being shopped around. Um, any, any bites yet? Uh, well, right now, Tricon, the, uh, wonderful Tricon films and television who were, uh, one of the main dramatic things they've been responsible for was getting Sanctuary on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. They just currently set up shop in Los Angeles, so they right now are moving it through the LA maze right now. So that's what we—that was the game plan basically from the start was to see what we could do in the U.S. first. When they took it to MIPCOM in France back in the fall, it—it uh, it got some very—we got some pretty decent tire kicking. So we're just sort of waiting now to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, and what else do you have going on? Uh, well, just you know, things are sort of uh, early stage development. I have two uh, two features right now. I'm trying. We're going to probably send through the uh, telefilm small budget. You know, couple. I've got a series parked at CBC right now, working with uh, Scott Leary at uh, Farpoint Films. Mm-hmm. Excellent producer. And working on a couple series ideas. I think I have sometimes more fun creating the series ideas than I do writing them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. It's a, why, yeah. It's a good yeah. problem to have, actually. Yes. And there, I have a couple things in L.A. right now with some Canadian uh, Canadian producers who are set up shop in L.A. So we're, there, we're trying to get a couple things financed there, which is always fun. So. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. So, mm-hmm. so... You have left sales completely, or are you still no. dabbling in both? Uh... No, I'm a, I'm a Canadian screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I'm working, definitely working at, you know, um, I mean, that's the trapping of living out of the major metropolis areas, is that uh, until something is going full on, you really can't quit your day job. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's not to say that I haven't given some serious thought of, of moving down to Toronto or out to Vancouver or, dare I say, at Los Angeles. But, you know, it's uh, I'm still pretty strong in the belief that I can get as much done here as I could down there. And Toronto from here is only a four-and-a-half-hour drive. Mm-hmm. So, well, technically supposed to be six, but <laughs> four-and-a-half hours. 
so yeah, and I like I said, I have a very, very good, strong connection, good network of producers mm-hmm. that uh, are always, you know, they they have their finger on the pulse of what what's being looked for. So that's never really an issue. I, you know, I always if there's something that could be made or could be created. Plus, I have my daughter to tell me what uh, what she'd like to see on on TV as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another main reason why I haven't taken the plunge because I do, I do have a seven-year-old daughter that I have shared custody with, and uh, not not in any rush to leave her. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, I I have to say, uh, I mean, I know I said it at the beginning of our interview, but there there is a lot of teaching out there, and a lot of people will tell you that you have to move to one of these centers to get get something sold. Um, and I think it's really encouraging that you can you can be where you are, and as long as you you have some tenacity and some um, some wisdom about how you, how you go about things, that you can actually get some things optioned and, e- and even sold and produced, and yeah. uh, and that's that's really really cool. So if uh, if you were to give some advice to someone who maybe is not in one of these centers um, and and is thinking about su- uh, writing. And trying to get something uh, sold and or made, um, what would would your advice be to them? Well, I'd, I'd have basically two main main well, maybe three things I would advise them is if it's your first project, uh, I mean, of course, going to a, a script, uh, you know, a script consultant or someone like that to do coverage is always a wise thing. You know, I mean, I had to work on a fairly limited budget of zero, so um, you know, I, I would just really have faith in yourself that you're trying to write the best thing possible. And then find the best producers. I mean, yeah, okay, it's a great idea to write something that could be worth, you know, that could be shot for $80 million, but that's not realistic. If you have no track record in the business whatsoever, writing Armageddon 2 isn't going to get you anywhere. So keep your keep your projects relatively, you know, simple. Think of, I, I hate to say this because I don't want, you know, artists to worry about budget, but you're going to have a better shot at something if it could be made on a modest budget versus writing, you know, what you think is the next blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Write a heartfelt story. Write something, you know, I mean, all the best filmmakers out there started with small budget fare. Mm-hmm. You know, the Wes Andersons, uh, you know, Richard Linklater, I mean, uh, Kevin Smith, another prime example. Up here would be, um, you know, Adam McGoyan, another guy who started with very small budget. Bruce McDonald, another example, a guy that, you know, was roadkill and, and, uh, Highway 61, you know, they shot their films for virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, they scraped, and, and I mean, Kevin Smith shot Clerks, I think, for, what was it, $15,000? Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, so I'm not saying every screenwriter has to look towards shooting their own film. I didn't do that. I mm-hmm. mean, I'd love to do that. I'd love to shoot something one day. That's a whole different uh, mindset, mm-hmm. to, to take off your writing hat and put on your producer hat. That's just, uh, that's such a... a you know, a maze to walk through, but um, I would say, yeah, figure out, you know, write something simple but good. I mean, write it, write something that that's going to stand out from every other script. Because even the smallest of producers in this country still get, you know, twenty five, thirty, even fifty uh, queries a week mm-hmm. of people wanting to read scripts. Now, I have some really, you know, Cindy loves reading queries. I mean, Cindy Harmon, and she's always looking for the next best thing. But the problem is if you, you know, you gotta remember, you gotta make it stand out. So you gotta write, another thing is too, especially if you're doing it in a remote area like myself, make sure your query letter stands out. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's, it's, first of all, don't write a four or five paragraph, 
breakdown of your story. Mm-hmm. Keep it to two paragraphs, keep it snappy, make sure you have exactly what you're, what you want to express in the story. You know, keep your uh, intro very simple, maybe talk a bit about what you're doing or what your practical experience is. And do your research. That's another really important thing. Do your research. You can get on imdb.com for nothing. You know, look at the types of movies. If you've got a horror film or you've got a drama or a rom-com, look at who's made rom-coms over the last, I would say, five to six years. Mm-hmm. And then try to find out who you need to talk to. Look at who's producing. Look who's active right now. Look who who's... You know, you can be surprised. I mean, in Canada, it's not that much of a challenge if you don't sound <laughs> if you don't sound crazy uh you can even pick up the phone sometimes mm-hmm. and call a director of development or call a producer and and if you're if you can really put that passion through the phone line or even on a query letter they're going to read it mm-hmm. guaranteed you know i mean my first script never got optioned but it opened a lot of doors for me because a lot of people saw the the potential in that writing Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I mean, another thing is don't, especially for remote writers like myself, oh my goodness, do not get discouraged. Do not get discouraged because I will tell you the hit ratio. Basically, for every 20 queries you're going to send out, you're going to get one response. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that response may not necessarily be what you want to see, but, you know, and out of that 20 or out of that, out of a hundred of those, you'll get one read, maybe two. Mm-hmm. That's just the hit ratio. It's, Another thing is, too, in this country, I mean, people are, they're busy. I mean, especially most of the producers are awfully busy trying to get their own projects off the ground. So, but, yeah, just do your research, you know. I mean, I've never had an agent, for whatever reason, (laughs) go into it, but I haven't really found a need in Canada, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in Canada, because, like I said, if you don't sound insane, uh, you can talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Really, in this country, I really believe that. Uh, you know, it helps. Sales background does help. It certainly does because you're, you know, you got you got to admit. I mean, this may be your work of art, but it's also a product. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I mean, if you want to look at it from a different perspective, and this is how I usually tell like friends and family what I'm trying to do. I said, imagine building a house and trying to sell that house to someone who's never lived here or never, you know, doesn't know what it looks like. And you're trying to sell this house for one and a half, two million, five million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're trying to do with a script. You're trying to sell them something that's going to cost at least a million, two million, five in Canada, five million, ten, even fifteen million to make. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money you're asking people to look into. But you know, with the advent of, of especially you know the web series that are taking off and and all this stuff, things can be done a lot smarter now, and that's another thing I'm looking into is, is uh, creating web series, looking into the more digital media stuff, and, and some pretty exciting stuff going on out there, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, thinking about doing some stuff on my own, actually. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I really appreciate, um, I think that people would do well to learn from your sales approach to it, in the in the sense that um, I think as, as, a, as a salesman, you just know you have to speak to X number of people on average, before you're going to get a sale. And so getting that no time and time and time and time again is not as discouraging to a salesman because no. you just know you have to get through so many before you get to that yes. And your skin will thicken. Yeah. If you have the ability, the thing is, too, and another sales tactic, and this is another piece of advice from a more sales perspective, with a typical sales call, it's no different than a typical pitch. You have under two minutes 
to really sort of hook them in, get them in tight. So you want to get that interest right off the bat. I'm not saying by going, boy, I have the script that you're going to make next. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten people will laugh at that comment. Yeah. <laughs> so it really is about making sure you have your, your log line in your head or your tagline for that, for that matter in your head and you, you know, you say the title, log line, and then you can maybe bump them a paragraph. You know, that, that's generally how it works. And, and, you know, a lot of the producers that are open to listening, they'll go, okay, send me the script. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they'll want to see a treatment. I haven't usually dealt with treatments, thank goodness, but, um, usually they'll say, I, I, a lot of times if you get them on the phone, there's a good chance you'll, uh, you'll be able to send them over the script. Uh, especially if you've done your research as well, Gray. I mean, if you mention a film or two that they've done in the past, you know, and if you've seen it, that'd be good, especially if you liked it. Mm-hmm. Don't pretend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could easily say, you know, oh, you know, I saw this and I love this. I loved what you guys did with this. I have something that might work for you as well. And here, here's what it is. Here's what it's called. This is what it is. Boom. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you had mentioned earlier about how it was very, very valuable to know producers. Um, how How did you establish relationships with these producers? Was it strictly through qu- query letters or, or how? A lot of query letters. Mm-hmm. A lot of query letters. Yeah, I would say the people I've met in Canada. Now, it's funny because another medium that I've gotten to know some people is through uh, like Facebook and especially Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter has been a Twitter is an amazing, if not invaluable, tool to uh, sort of get to know people, especially in Canada. There's a lot of writers, a lot of producers, actors that are on Twitter, and you know it's it's funny because I've met well, I met a lot of people through Wolf Canyon. I met a lot of people who knew people through Wolf Canyon, so that that's helped. But I met a lot of amazing, funny people on on Twitter. A lot of uh, a lot of producers and I've actually I'll be honest with you I'm talking to two or three of them right now but maybe writing for them hmm. just based on my uh, just based on on conversations DMs and and goofy things I say on Twitter yeah so it's not exactly Kelly Oxford or you know, <laughs> stuff my dad says but it, it's something so yeah um yeah as, as a writer as a remote writer you've got to explore Every possible avenue through electronic, through the electronic, you know, through the digital media. Really, these are invaluable tools. And 10 years ago, these didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it did not exist. I mean, 10 years ago, you were lucky if you were researching uh, films if you'd find maybe one email address out of four mm-hmm. out of the companies you were looking at. So, you know, now everybody's on the web. And so it's, it's yeah, it's come a long way since I first started. Very cool. And how can people follow you on Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> I'm at uh, Tim Stavinsky. Very simple. At Tim Stavinsky. Um, that's where I am. Very cool. Come, come follow me because if uh, I usually follow right back. Yeah, and uh, his yeah. tweets are very funny. I can assure you. I, they, well, yeah, they try to be. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I so Which much reminds me. I got to do an FF for you tonight. <laughs> oh, cool. I got to do a follow Friday. Sure, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, we'll end it here, but I really appreciate you taking your time. Um, I know you've got a young daughter to attend to, so I won't take any more of your time with her. I totally understand that need. Yeah, I can't find my car key, so I better go <laughs> find out where she is. Cool. I don't like it when seven-year-olds drive. Nope, definitely not. No, just got the car fixed, so. Yeah, so best of luck to you, and uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you sometime soon. Soon. Yeah, so uh, all the best. Very good. Thank you very much, Grace. It's been all my pleasure.
And that was my interview with Tim Stabinski. I uh, super appreciate him taking the time and sharing with us. Uh, uh, some of the things that I thought were really invaluable were um, just even the inspiration that you can live in a remote area, a remote city or town, and still sell something. Uh, that's very, very cool. You may not, may not make as much of a living, perhaps, as, as if you were to move to one of the production centers. But, hey, maybe you like your, your day job and you still want to get something made. You've got an idea that you want to see produced. So it can happen. And another thing I really appreciate... Um, as he shared some of the sales advice, um, you know, selling a script, you're a salesman for your product. And so keep in mind that you got to get through those no's before you get to the yes. So uh, great interview with Tim. I hope you enjoyed it. And we will be continuing uh, with more Canadian TV writers. We're going to be talking to Matt McLennan and also Will Zmack in the upcoming weeks. So, um, and also you'll see some footage from the Ink Drinks event. That's going to be a lot of fun on March 18th. I want to remind you of your homework. The TV Writer's Workbook by Ellen Sandler. A wonderful book. One of my favorite books on TV writing. I wouldn't recommend it if I hadn't read it and thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, you can find that at tvwriterpodcast.com through the store. Less than $11. And if you could read it and send in your questions before, um, March 31st, that would be great. But until next time, set yourself a timer for your writing time. It's amazing how much a little egg timer can do to get your butt in gear. So, on that note, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com the leading source for scriptwriting information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Scriptwriting Software, the entertainment industry standard for scriptwriting worldwide. <laughs>